listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Good morning, and turn into your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. Uh, It is verse 1 through 27. We're continuing our series through Exodus, and God has given us something uh, unexpected every time we go to encourage us during this time. And let's just ask the Lord to bless it as we do that. So let's first read together Exodus 18, 1 through 27. So let's read that together. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and for God's people, Israel, when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Zipporah, Moses' wife, and after he had sent her back, along with her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, because Moses had said, I had been a resident alien in a foreign land, and the other... Eleazar, because he had said, the God of my father was my helper and rescued me from Pharaoh's sword. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and then kissed him. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent. Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them along the way and how the Lord had rescued them. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord has done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. Blessed be the Lord, Jericho exclaimed. Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from the power of Egypt and from the power of Pharaoh. He has rescued the people from under the power of Egypt. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's providence, presence. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning till evening. And when fa- Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is the thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge? Why... While all the people stand around you from morning until evening, Moses replied to his father-in-law, because the people came to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you are doing is not good. Moses' father-in-law said to him, 
when you certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the pe people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating, dishonest prophet. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and they should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case for themselves. In this way, you, you will lighten your load, and they will bear it with you. If you do this, and God so directs you, you will be able to endure. And also, all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times. They would bring their hard cases to Moses, but they would judge every minor case themselves. Moses let his father-in-law go, and he journeyed to his own land. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we have gathered in your name in different places around northern Kentucky, the United States, and actually the world. And so, Lord, as we understand this, your word is true wherever you find us. It is perfect, it is pleasing, it is good, and it is good for our hearts. And so, Lord, this morning I pray as we uh, seek to God, be guided by your spirit, guided by your word, that, Lord, you would have a word specifically for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, bring, this message brings some different emotions to me, some difficult emotions, because I think about what its message is to us as God's people. See, we see here in this event in Moses' life in Israel, they're camping at the mountain of God. And because they do, we see this event where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes and speaks to him. Now, the text is telling us a very important lesson that God has redeemed his people and will continue to redeem his people. And not just through Moses, but a future Savior that is greater than Moses. One that is coming through Jesus Christ. We are redeemed from death, sin, destruction, and Satan himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And because of this, God has given us a people. He has given us each other. He has given us his church. Today, we need to be reminded that we need community and we need each other. This is important during days like this that we are unsure that we still need other people. Now, the reason why I say this brings a lot of emotion for me is because I am here in a room with, just in case the CDC is listening, less than 10 people in a room that seats 25 times that amount. And honestly, it's a motion that I believe that all of us as Christians should have, that this is not right, that this is not the way things should be, that we are disconnected from each other. 
that we know that we need each other. I mean, right now, I know that I cannot look over and I can't see my sister in Christ who have had the worst week of their lives singing the glories of God, even though that it's been the worst week of their life. I can't look over here and hear my brother in Christ saying a amen because he's saying God's grace. You're disconnected from the church because you know that you aren't walking the halls and knowing that you are being encouraged and edified and grown from someone here, someone who's prayed for you, someone who's encouraged you, someone who's talking to you and encouraging you through your Christian walk. We know that this is not the way that it should be. And honestly, we should make sure we hold on to that because this is not the way we should be separated from each other. But in the same way, maybe you're sitting at home not just missing the community of the church, but you're just missing community in general. Maybe you've been at home for a long time because of uh, being self, self-isolating. And maybe you're, you're uh, tired of seeing the same several walls or rooms. And maybe you're missing human connection. This is true for all of us, that we all need each other. And maybe you're here this morning and you're tuning in for the first time, just trying to find out what is going on with Christianity and faith. Maybe you've realized that the answers that you've made for yourself aren't the answers that, you, that can fix whatever you're going through. And you've tuned in to say, I don't know what I need. Well, let me encourage you that when all of this is over and that we're allowed to meet together, that you need to find yourself in a local church. Maybe it's this one. But here's what's happened to me just even during this difficult time. The community of Christ has, has helped me, has encouraged me. Here in this church, we have people calling other, half of our church is calling the other half of our church regularly to make sure that they're taken care of. Many of us are meeting on computers to get with our life group and our members to to see their faces and be encouraged by their prayers and what they're doing. And so the community, even in this difficult time, is important to us. And maybe as we have been taken, has had it taken away from us, maybe we need to realize the value and importance it is to us. And, And for one, we need this because two things, even... Even in this time of social distancing, there are creative ways that you can do community. God is still going to use this time for you to help others and others to help you. But we also need to be preparing ourselves for when we do gather again. What is community like? What is the joy? What is the gift? Well, I believe that the gift of community, the gift of others who pour into our lives is a gift that God has given us and is vital to our Christian life. And this morning, I want us to see how we can value this gift of community. I want us to see five reasons God blesses us with community. So if you listen along or if you want to follow along or or take notes, number one is this. God gives us community because he provides through others. God gives us community because he provides through others. Well, in the beginning of this text, this event of 
life of Moses, we see that uh, God had provided and taken care of Moses using his father-in-law Jethro. This is what the whole book, chapter 18 is about. Jethro enters the scene and helps Moses grow in his leadership, grow in how he uh, leads others. And Moses had evidently had sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons Gershom and Eleazar to the safety of Jethro's home. And we don't know why. We don't see God commanding this. Maybe this was Moses protecting his family. But we know that Jethro had provided protection and provision for Moses. And our attention is drawn immediately to something about Jethro. He is a Midianite. And because he's a Midianite, he will become someone who is an enemy of God. The Midianite people, not Jethro himself, but the Midianites were known to be enemies of God, just like the Amicalites that we read in chapter 17. And we understand that because of this, this is, this is different that God would bring help through someone outside of Israel. Now think about this, though. Moses heard his father-in-law was coming, and with much respect, ran out to meet him, greet him. Now, we know, obviously, this is a, a great family reunion. This is probably like one of those videos of soldiers coming home and being welcomed to, to by family. And uh, we see that the probably uh, wife and husband and kids were, were hugging each other. But the story and the event shows us the importance that uh, that Jethro had to Moses. That there was great respect, that, that Moses knew that Jethro had been sent by God to, to bring help. He had already helped him watch for his family, but there must be something else coming. And it's interesting to see because Moses understood that even though I'm a prophet of God, I've been used by God, I'm leading two, two to three million people, I'm a, I'm a well-known guy, it's pretty good to see how humble he was to be willing to accept help and respect his father-in-law. And this is kind of the point of the text that we might miss as Westerners. If you notice throughout the text, Jethro is identified as Moses' father-in-law 12 times. Okay, one time, we got it. That's your father-in-law. Two times? Okay, father-in-law Jethro. Three times? Okay. Is there what, 12 times that we need to know that you are the father-in-law? What is, what is this meaning? Why is this significant? I believe two reasons. One, that it, it shows that God will bring help through others, sometimes in the most unexpected places but that it is welcomed by Moses because he knew it was from God. Think about this. The Midianites and Amicalites are enemies of God's people, yet God used one of the enemies to bring help to Moses at that time. That God, who had just thwarted the enemies in chapter 17, is now using a priest of Midian to bring message and encouragement to Moses' life. God is helping to provide for us through other people. And we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we get so high and mighty that we do not accept the help that God is sending us. 
And the reminder to us is that God is providing help. But there's also a deeper help that we must be reminded of here. That You see, God is pointing to that there is something greater coming to us all. We know God helps by sending others because God sent someone greater to us through Jesus Christ. Now, this whole event of Jethro coming together parallels another event in the Bible. It It parallels the priest Melchizedek that shows up in Genesis and speaks to Abram. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details on that, but I want you to know, here's kind of the, the summary. That Melchizedek, a foreign priest, came to bless Abram before God gave the Abrahamic covenant. And now another foreign priest, Jethro, comes to Moses right before God gives the Mosaic covenant. Now, why is this important? Because God is providing through others and someone greater than even Moses. Even though Abram is considered great, even though Moses is considered great, we know that Moses is is not who the hope of the world is. We know that it is one who is Jesus. And we know that in the same order of Melchizedek, a priest to Abram, a priest Jethro to Moses, that there is a greater priest that has come to save us from our sins. Hebrews talks of this in Chapter 7, verse 24 through 26. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. This is Jesus. Therefore, he is able to save competently those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Friends, God provides through others. And God provided for us otherworldly through Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for our sins. That he was buried and he rose again. And so we don't have to work. We don't have to to follow a certain path. Instead, we have faith in Christ as the one who saves us. And maybe you're here listening today, watching today. I ask you, have you made peace with God? Have you been counted among his children? Do you know the answers for life? Well, let me encourage you to the one, to turn to the one God has provided for us, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you repent from your sins and turn and believe in God, In Christ, you will be saved. And so you may be tuning in here today for the first time, but I encourage you that you, by belief in Christ, can be made whole by believing in Jesus. And so we must be reminded that God provides through other Christians, that we must be humble and realize that we have a need that that need was provided through Jesus, but we will have everyday needs that God will meet through others. Right now, you may need someone to pray with you. Maybe right now you are stuck and you need someone to deliver groceries or, or you need financial help. Right now, maybe you need interaction with other people. 
Well, I encourage you, as I mentioned earlier, if you're just tuning in, to head over to HebronBaptist.org, and there's a place for you. If you need prayer, if you need help, if you need hope, go there, and we want to help provide that for you. But let's be honest and humble and admit that God provides through others for us. Secondly, God gives us community so that we can bear witness to God's work. In verse 8 through 11, we see that Jethro, and after the reunion, and we see all that happened, we see that, that Moses sits down and tells all that God has done. In verse 8, it says, uh, then the people responded together. Sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 8 of chapter 18, Moses recounted to his father-in-law that all the Lord had done to him and Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them along the way and how the Lord rescued them. Here we see Moses recount all that God had done and bring up all the work that God had done in their life. This is a personal testimony. It's Moses recounting what he saw took place. But it's not a testimony that makes much of Moses. What does verse 8 say? It's recounting the things of God. It's what, how God had provided for his people. When you think of evangelism or sharing the gospel, what do you think about? Do you think maybe you're like a salesman that you're trying to close the deal with someone? Maybe you think of arm-twisting someone that they need to come to faith in Jesus. Well, that's not what evangelism is. We want to present the truth about God. We want to present the truth about Christ. We want to also share what you have seen and what you know about God. Maybe today you need to be reminded that in community and what God is doing through community gives you the opportunity to speak about the good things of God. How often do you go about your day and you're telling things and talking about things, but instead you never talk about how God is providing for you or what God is doing in you. We need to be regularly speaking about what God is doing to each other and to others. We need to be reminded that we have the opportunity to proclaim the works of God, just as 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 reminds us. But in our hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Peter writes that to a Christian community. He's under great persecution, but he could have been writing it to us during a time of suffering. The other day, I got to share with someone that God just put us together, and I, uh, they were asking, well, how are you getting through this? How are you working through this time? And I said, you know what? The other day, I had the most unexpected delight. I tuned into my life group on a computer screen and honestly didn't know how that was going to work, but just the fact of me seeing them, hearing them pray for me, and me praying for them reminded me how much God is in control. I got to share that God ministered to me through that, got to talk to the person in a spiritual conversation and share the gospel. Have you had these opportunities and looking for these opportunities in community together? As you look for opportunities to share the gospel, there are ways to do this during even a pandemic, even when we're social distancing. 
I'm not going to go through all of those today. You can go back and look at our Ask the Pastors video that can be found on our website so that you can learn more different, different ways that you can, can do that. But I do strongly encourage you. Uh, one tool that Brother Jim Davis helped point us to that's so practical and so easy this is made available uh, on our website and on Facebook. We would love to get this to you. It's just a little piece of paper that says, hey, we are the Dobbins. This is our phone number. We live at this address. And here are ways that you can, that if you need help, that you can call and let me know. What a great way to connect with neighbors. What a great way that you can talk to them and say that I'm available. And maybe these lead to gospel conversations and spiritual conversations. But it gives us an opportunity in community to say, hey, I have a neighbor that needs this. We can reach out to each other and say, hey, how can we help them? Or maybe we need to have that opportunity to build where we're having, sharing the gospel uh, through even virtual conversations. Sharing our service video and service opportunities uh, online. There are many ways that we can connect to others. But I know this, that God is going to use this time to save people. Amen? God is going to use even this time for his word to change lives. Are you being a part of that? Are you making time and part of your day and intentionally thinking through, how can I be part of what God is doing? Well, number three, God gives us community so that we will change when necessary. This might be the hardest lesson uh, that we learn, is that there are times that we need to change, and it's others speaking truth in our lives that help us make that happen. Jethro, we read now in verse 17 through 18, it's sort of the back end of his story. He, uh, he, he observes this fact that, that Moses is doing kind of small claims court. Imagine with two to three million people, Moses making judgment on all these little things. Now, if you've ever been a member of a HOA or a, a a community covenant and see how people bicker online or, or, or HOA meetings about things. Can you imagine what it would have been like with two to three million people in the desert and Moses trying to work through these things? Hey, Moses, this guy parked my camel, his camel out beside my tent, did damage. What are you going to do about it? Hey, Moses, these kids were roughhousing out front and their rock hit my clay jar. And I don't, what are we going to do about this? I can imagine all the events that Moses had to bring dispute over. Well, Jethro said, Moses, you can't do this. This is not good for you as the leader of the people to be bogged down day and night doing all this yourself. He said, you're going to wear yourself out. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But, but the reminder for us to, today is that God brings encouragement, correction, instruction from him through others to us. A reminder for us that we need to change. Biblical community at its best helps, to, helps us to grow in Christ's likeness, to grow and listen to God more faithfully. And we need to be reminded that God uses others to help us change. And friends, Believers, we need to know when we need to change. When was the last time 
that you've said to someone, hey, that was a great idea. You know, you know what? I wasn't thinking clearly on that all the way. I, you're right. I need to do it your way. Hey, you know what? You're, you're right. There is a better way for us to do this together. When was the last time that you said that? If you've never said that to people, you're either God, who doesn't need advice. We, we can check that off the list. That's not us. Or you're not humble enough to hear from God through other people. How many of us allow our pride and our own thinking and our own ideas to stand in the way of the best ideas? And many times our own sinful desires even get in the way for us to listen to help, encouragement, and the, the need to change because we're too prideful to listen to others. Well, the Bible instructs us that the community of believers is important. And especially, let me tell you, the, all the more right now that we're isolated, that we need others to be in our lives, be holding us accountable, giving opportunity to speak into our lives, because the more we're separate, the less we have people able to speak into our lives. James 5, 16 tells us, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another to heal. The prayer of a righteous man is very powerful in its effect. It is reminding us in James that we should be going to others. We should be admitting our sin. We should be asking for prayer. We should be asking for encouragement and letting people correct us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer observed, Sin demands to have a man alone. It withdraws him from community. The more isolated a man is, the more destructive sin is. In this time of isolation, we need others to help us, but we also need to be reminded that others are put there by God to help change us to his glory and to look like his son. The more you're in isolation right now, the more you need other brothers and sisters in Christ to speak into your life. So look for those opportunities. Seek out those opportunities. Make those phone calls. Make those texts. Do those visual aids. Call people on the phone. Do whatever it takes to allow others to speak truth in our life and step back in humility and ask God, God, do I need to change here? And honestly, prioritize that someone else is speaking truth in our lives and be ready to hear it. Thankfully, God gives us people that loves us, that sees things differently. Do you see your life with humility, willing to be able to change? Fourth, God gives us community so that we will spread ministry around. It's important that we see here that, that uh, through Jethro's, uh, through Jethro's uh, advice that, that he says, Hey, Moses, uh, spread things around. Uh, delegate this work. You're going to wear out. I think this is a very important message to us, especially when we are, we are in this time, because what is our normal 
uh, normal drive. It is to keep things private, to keep things to ourselves, handle things on our own. But we need to be reminded there's only one person in the entire universe who gets their entire to-do list done, and that's God. And none of us are able to do so. We need to be reminded that, that we, there's only one person that in the day, at the end of the day can say, you know what, this day went exactly the way I wanted it to go. And that's God. So since we're not God, we need to be reminded that God gives us community so that we can get help from others and be encouraged to spread what we need to do around we need to watch ourselves because we can put ourselves in such a deficit to wear ourselves out in our workplace, in our home, all throughout because we, are, we keep things too tightly to ourselves instead of relying on community. John Calvin observed this. And there's some things that I tweaked in here to kind of make it applicable to all of us. Therefore, let all, whether kings or magistrates or pastors of the church or mothers or fathers, know that whilst the strain of every nerve to fulfill their duties, something will always remain which may admit of correction and improvement. Here, too, it is worthwhile to remark that no single mortal can be sufficient to do everything. This is Calvin, who probably worked himself to death. However, many and various endowments where he excels for who shall equal Moses, whom, whom we have still seen to be unequal to the burden, lest they should wear out by, un, uh, excuse me, let me try that again. <laughs> For who shall equal Moses, whom we, shall, we have still seen to be unequal to the burden, when he untook, overtook the whole care of governing the people? Let then... God's servants learn to measure carefully their powers, lest they should wear out, by ambitiously embracing too many occupations. Here's this reminder to us that we need others. And that we, God has given us other people to support us through life. You know, our pension is, is again, to, to, to be private, but some of us in this moment are exhausted with our kids. Some of you are laid off and, and need financial support. What does God do when he's given you people around you to love you and help you? Your church family, your community, your family can't help you unless they know it. And there's part of your heart that needs to be willing to say, I need help. And I've seen and heard and experienced many times people say, well, I know that I need help or I'm okay. I'm going to muster through it. I have a 105 degree temperature and uh, am fading in and out of, uh, of consciousness. And I can't, and I have three kids that are tearing the house down. But I can't let anybody come in and see my house the way it is. So I'm not going to ask anybody for help, even though that the people are there to help you. They want to come help you. Friends, let's not us be, let us admit that none of us have it all together and that God gives us help through other people that we need to be willing to accept it. Will you ask for help during this time? 
Will you ask when there is a prayer need or a help need or, or some way that we can help you? You need to humbly ask for help because God has given help around you and allow that help to come through others. Fifth and finally, God gives us community so we can raise up leaders. And I'm just going to say this quickly. In verse 21, he identifies who these leaders should look like. Uh, they, they should be smart. They should be wise people. Uh, what is their relationship to God? Do they fear God? Do they love the praise of people? Uh, or do they fear God more importantly? Uh, are, they, are they disgusted by people who take advantage of money? When the relationship towards others, are they trustworthy? Are they not liars? Now, we would say that this is probably important. These are wonderful, uh, wonderful guidelines for us to find leaders. But it's also good guidelines whether we're looking for employee or employer or president or governor, boyfriend or girlfriend. There are more things to look for than what's listed here, but they certainly shouldn't be less than this. And during this difficult time, even in community, God is helping us through each other to identify and raise up leaders. They might not hold a title. They might not show by everyone how, they're, they're, how it's happening. But how they're leaders is that they're serving others. That they're willing to put others first. This is very such a parallel to when Acts chapter 6, when the Gentile widows weren't getting care, for, uh, care that, that, that uh, they were, the disciples said, choose among yourselves some leaders that can take care of this. And Acts chapter 6, uh, 2 through 3 says, the 12 summoned the whole company and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who, can we, who we can appoint to this duty. Look at their characteristics. Uh, good reputation, full of the Spirit, wisdom. This is some of the same characteristics. And some of you, God, are calling to be leaders, not because he's placing on you a title, but because he's called you to serve in the Spirit. Men and women, boys and girls, students, you are being called to serve the body, serve each other, serve your neighbors, serve your family during this difficult time. Are you representing Christ even though that we're separate? Even though that we can't get together, are you looking for uh, new ways and different ways that you can serve others? Could you visit a shut-in or, or, or a senior person and, and maybe not get in their house but stand on the Stand in the grass and let them come to the door or talk through uh, a storm door. Could your kids draw cards and send to people to encourage them because they can't come out? Could you FaceTime or, or go virtually to visit a church member? Leaders are not always people who get the acclaim or stand up in front of people. They are the servants of each other. And in community, God finds these people and uses them to serve each other. Do you see community as a way for you to serve others or to be served? So here you are watching at home, maybe not quarantine, but you are missing seeing people. How are you valuing serving others 
and being with others during this time. Christian, are you longing for the day when we gather again together? Well, let me, let me just tell you on that first Sunday back, I'm going to bust through this wall, maybe this wall like, like the Kool-Aid man and just bust through it excited. I'm from the South and I'm Baptist and my hugging quota is very down. And so I may hug and maybe, uh, make, maybe wear pads that Sunday so I don't hurt you with all the hugs. But we must understand how vital community is to us even when we're separate. God can use us together. Maybe you need to plug into a life group virtually. Maybe you're not normally in a life group, but just being around other believers and, and, and you can find those people, I'm sure that they're going to invite all over the internet uh, right now as I'm talking. They're gonna invite people to come to their, to your life, their life group virtually. Uh, they're gonna meet all throughout the week. Uh, we can put a schedule out for those that need that. But, but get together, maybe FaceTime someone, call someone, do something where you realize that community is still important. Brothers and sisters, we are made for others, and God has given us the gift of others. And one, one more time, let me just encourage you that if you're, you're there at home, whatever you're going through, have you trusted in Christ? You might have trusted at one point in your good works. Well, it's, it's harder to do that now, isn't it? You might have even trusted in your worship attendance. Well, I hope you're not basing on that right now. The only thing that we have and that we can trust in is Jesus. And I hope that today that you would call out to him, that you would be saved. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for all of us, that we have been trusted in Christ, that we have been saved through a greater one than Moses and that we know that we need each other. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the reminder in Scripture. We pray this morning that no matter where you find us, the parts of the body of Christ, the church, are spread everywhere, but we need other people in our lives for encouragement, accountability. Uh, we need all of these things. And I pray, God, that through this and through your word, through your son, Jesus, that we are reminded of this gift that we serve others. And I pray right now, if there's someone here, that they would, be un they would hear the gift that has come through Jesus, the son of God. That today they would make him their savior. I pray, God, you would act and move in their hearts today. That you would move on all of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, 
please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him. Mm-hmm.